Thanks for listening to the New Life Church of Cersei podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. You're about to hear message audio from one of our weekend services, but before you do, just want to remind you, you can tap the link in the description or text Cersei to 88000 to get connected and stay up to date with what's going on on our campus at all times. You can give online, join a life group, or find more information about joining a serve team as well. You can also request prayer. We love praying for the needs of our church every single week. If you have a prayer request, tap the link in the description, or again, text Cersei to 88000 for more information. All right, good morning. How many of you guys are glad to be in church today? Amen? Amen. So good. It's a great, great weekend to be here. I know we have many that are watching online from the Deerwoods, and uh, we just want to pray over them today. Um, listen, if you are just joining us, I want to kind of catch you up on what uh, today is going to look like and then the next coming weeks and on into uh, Christmas time. But uh, today I am going to finish. We started like just a little mini series last week on the end times, and I'm going to finish that this morning. And so if you weren't here for last week, I encourage you to go back and watch that online and uh, pick up because these two definitely just make a solid connection. And then next week, I'm going to start a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. And I think this will be fun for our church in a lot of ways. I think uh, the first part that's going to be fun as, as a communicator is just we have a, a gumbo of, of people here. So um, there is every pretty much every denomination represented in our church traditionally, meaning the way that you were, were raised spiritually. And so talking about the person of the Holy Spirit is going to be fun. It's going to be challenging and stretching. And so for some of you, I'm going to ask you to come from way over here and come back to here. And then for some of you that are way over here, I'm going to ask you to go from way over there and come back to here. And um, us just have a good, solid three weeks talking about what is the role of the Holy Spirit specifically for the modern church. Um, then we're going to go into Advent, and then we have candlelight services. We're offering three of those, and uh, we're going to do an early option on that Sunday morning for the first time. So we're going to do an 8 a.m. early service uh, that morning uh, for those of you that need to get out of, out of town. And then we will have a New Year's Eve service. My notes say NYE service. Every time I see it, I want to say New York Eve service. So uh, uh, New Year's Eve service. Um, and so that's what the rest of this year is going to look like. Um, so believe it or not, we are quickly approaching the candlelight season. So make room for others. Let's make room at, at the table. Invite them uh, to come and be, be part of it. Carrie Newhoff just did a great teaching last week and said, still, statistically, uh, the main reason someone will come to church is when they are personally invited. So uh, just make, make a conversation with someone around you, ask them to come to candlelight service, and statistically their answer is going to be, I'd be glad to come, come with you. So again, if you were not here last weekend, uh, I spoke on the end times, and I'm going to finish that this morning. The one takeaway from last week was to be watchful. So if you go back and you listen to that, that message, there's just one thing you want to walk off with. And it's that in the end times, we just want to be watching. We want to be ready. And if you're not ready, get ready. 
And so um, this is just kind of all of the teaching, especially when it comes to the New Testament pointing toward the, the end times. Uh, we're seeing a theme and a motif of be watchful and be ready. So I want to pick up today, I want to go to 2 Peter chapter 3, and so if you get out your Bible or Bible app, I want you to um, follow me there. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 is where I'm going to start today. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, when we were growing up, a scary message on the end times would have started with, with 2 Peter. And it would have started with this sentence. It says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And he says, You ought to live holy. And godly lives, verse 12, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I want to read verse 12 again. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So Peter tells us, hey, listen, this is, uh, there's going to be some, some rough things happen. And he gives us this very scary introduction here in chapter 3, and he says, and since all this is going to happen, then you ought to be godly people. He's saying, so shore that up, make sure that you're living a godly life, make sure you're living a righteous life, make sure that you're your life is matching that of Scripture and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Be ready, be watchful. And then he says, and then I want you to look forward to it. I don't want this to be something that is fearful and scary. I want you to look forward to it. Why? Because you are godly. Because you don't have anything to be afraid of. Because when you're in Christ, and you're living for Christ, and you're following Christ, then you can look forward with anticipation to the return of Christ and face the end times with courage. So I want to start some imagery with you this morning, and then I'll get where I, I, I'm wanting to go mostly. But there are two types of people when it comes to packing for a trip, all right? And I'm going to separate those, and then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're that particular person, okay? So there are those who pack for every possible scenario that might happen while you're on your trip. So let's just say you're going to 30A, but you're going to pack a coat just in case it snows. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay? A little out, outnumbered, yeah. Okay. Then there's just that person who just needs the right amount of underwear thrown in a Walmart sack, and they're ready for the road. Okay? If that's you, raise your hand. Some of you were like, I'm not either of those. <laughs> Little snooty, stuck-up packers. <laughs> okay. And so here's, here's the point. When you're packing your bag, what are you getting ready for? Okay, so when it comes to this, preparation is really the point here. That's, that's the key word. 
What you are preparing for determines how you pack. And so what you've got going in your mind in terms of preparation is also how you're going to live. So as we talk about in times as believers, this doesn't have to be a scary thing. Because your anticipation and your preparation for what is next is good and exciting and faith-filled and it gives you energy, and it gives you passion, and it gives you vibrance in a broken world because you're thinking about what's coming next, and it doesn't scare you, and it doesn't need to, okay? And I'll get into that more in just a moment if you're not ready for that. But um, listen, when it comes to the end times, the Bible instructs us to be ready, but we need to be ready in the ways that really matter. So end times is one of those topics in Christendom that if you Google it, if you look it up, if you go to Amazon or Kindle and you start to look around, you will find that there is an immense amount of authorship around this topic of end times. There's been a lot of people write out their thoughts of what they think, and we talked about this last week, including when that return will, will be. Um, so there's a lot of content and there's a lot of people putting stuff out in regard to end times, but we need to stay focused on what's really important, what really matters. And I think to do that, you got to come back to the simplicity of this gospel and say, what does the Bible tell me I need to be prepared for in terms of the, of the end times? So I'll unpack that, that more, but there's something about the topic of end times or of chaos or chaotic times that makes us in our humanness want to be prepared. So we look at the world around us and we want to be prepared. I don't know if you remember the, uh, the uh, toilet paper riots of 2020. What a fun thing to watch. So you could go to Sam's and just watch people lose their minds over toilet paper. Now, me, I was more concerned about Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. Um, and unfortunately, those only lasted about five days. But what I found out, these, these things are so amazing. If you've never had one, I'm pretty sure these are made in Bethlehem. Okay. <laughs> So if you have not had one, you need to take, can we just add a QR code to that and sign them right up? I mean, you can order them. They'll be at your house tomorrow by noon. Okay. And if that's too slow for you, harps may be carrying them already. But I was more af after those, but there's nothing wrong with preparing for challenging times. But the Bible is far more interested in how your soul is prepared than anything else. So this be watchful, be ready, look forward to it, be godly, that is all soul care. It's all about where you are with your soul right now, knowing full well that we are living in end times. So I want to go to Titus chapter 2. Follow me there. This is a great couple of verses and you're going, if you're a highlighter or note, note taker, you're going to want to know this when it comes to end times. And this is where I'll, I'll take most of the meat of this message from today. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, God's saving grace appeared for all people. Can everybody say amen? amen. It teaches us 
that we should turn our backs on ungodliness and the passions of the world. Sounds a lot like what Peter just told us. And he says, and you should live sober, just, and devout lives, watch this, in the present age, verse 13, while we wait eagerly, there's that look forward language again, for the blessed hope and royal appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the King. You should live sober, just, devout lives in the present age. If you have something to write with, I want you to underline that phrase, in the present age, okay? And let me give you just a quick rundown of what present age is. The idea that we are living in the end times is not new. It's not new to us. It's not new to our parents. It's not new to our grandparents. Being in the end times is going to go all the way back to the first century and the writings and the authorship of Scripture begins to explode with this language of looking forward and expectation and being ready and being watchful. In Acts chapter 1, we see the ascension. This is in verse 10 and 11. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going. And suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So when Jesus ascended, we entered a period of time between his leaving and his return that theologians just call the church age. So from here, we saw an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about next week. Church planting exploded. People were coming to Christ on a daily basis. The story of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the miraculousness of Jesus rolled itself forward from generation to generation to generation until now we're still even meeting together in places wanting to experience that same exact thing. It's just such a powerful uh, catalyst that happened here following the ascension. We live in the church age. This also means that we live in an age of grace. This means that for right now, the mercies of God are endless. This means that right now, the Holy Spirit is throwing out a net into a broken world, trying to pull as many as possible into the love of Christ. And according to scripture, this is going to stop. So there's going to ultimately be a return of Christ. And as that happens, it is going to get completely sideways here. So we live in a very special, Holy Spirit-drawn, grace-filled, love-filled church age where we're able to gather and believe and pray and sense the Holy Spirit and live our lives by that. But there will be a time when Christ returns 
for his people, and we will go with him according to the word of God. Last week, I mentioned signs like wars, famine, extreme weather, increasing wickedness. This is not prophecy, and even if you preach it as such, it doesn't even feel strange anymore. Like We're like wars. We get it. Check. Famine. We get it. Rumors of wars, we, we, we get it. Wickedness, oh my goodness, we get it. This, this doesn't feel prophetic. This feels like a Monday, all right? And so, just like one of those maps in the mall that tells you how to get to the Great American Cookie Company, the Bible is saying you are here. It is pointing. This is where you are in the timeline. You are in the church age. You are in a day of grace. You are in a day of mercy. You are in a day where the Spirit is alive and well in you. It's Jesus' gift to us. When he left, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. We're in that age. This is where we, where, where we are. It's an incredible time to be following Jesus, but to be following him ready and watchful. And so I can understand if you're not ready that any message on this can be fearful because your soul is not ready for the return of Christ. So I, I get it. I get that this information can be very scary. So what does all this mean? It means to get ready. It means that Christ and believers that he is indeed returning and we are going to be a thermometer to the world. People are going to still look to the church in chaotic times and go, what are the believers doing? How are they responding? For the Apostle Paul, he was having conversations with other Christian leaders and he told them this. He said, be aware of the times that you're living in and live accordingly. That's what he said. Be aware of what's going on around you. Be aware of the culture. Be aware of, of the wickedness. Recognize evil. Be wise. Understand all of that stuff. But then live accordingly. And so how I really want to spend the rest of this is to talk about what would that even mean right now for us to know we're in the end times. How can I live accordingly as someone who should be looking forward to the return of Christ? So as we live our lives in this present age, recognizing we're in the end times, having a keen awareness that spiritual birth pains are happening all around us, what does it mean to live accordingly. My first thought is this. Do not be passive. Do not be panicked. Be at peace. All right? Jesus is telling us. His apostles are telling us. There's going to be some tough circumstances. People are going to hate you because of me. The world is going to hate you because of me. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be war. There's going to be famine. There's going to be extreme weather. There's going to be things that people can't explain. The smartest people in the world cannot explain it. But don't be passive and don't panic. Be at peace because you know it and also because I'm in you. And what's in you is greater than what's happening in the world. Can I get an amen? This is why you should be 
at peace. It's wandering in times and chaotic times and questionable times. You should still be able to go to bed and, and lay down and rest well because you know that this is not just on a whim. It's the very essence of why we live our lives around Christ is, is being revealed before us. It's insider information. And so don't be passive. Don't be panicked. Be at peace. Not one time. The scripture tell believers this is going to happen so you should be full of fear. This is going to happen so what I want you to do is really dial up your anxiety. Not one time the scripture tell us that. However, the tendency is that among believers there are two Polar opposites here, and you tend to swing toward one of those. The first one is to be passive or avoidant. So when it comes to the topic of end times, you choose to avoid it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to be in a life group that discusses it. I don't want to have a book at home about it. I don't want to read Revelation. I don't want to read anything that's prophetic that might be over my head. I don't want to do it because I'm avoidant. I'm passive about it. I don't want any part of that. The second one is to panic. You've got believers who are scared to death. And this is kind of how this looks on the extreme side. But people begin to recluse. They rope themselves off. They move to a remote location. They surround themselves with razor wire fences. They buy a lot of ammo. <laughs> they buy buckets of rice and a ham radio tower. Some men in this room right now just say, like, what's wrong with razor wire? You know? If, if you're trying to hide from the end times behind razor wire, I mean, we're really in, in trouble. I'm not sure that that really projects I'm a person of faith. But then there's a third option that is the most biblically sound, and it's this. Be at peace. Shalom. Have peace. Be full of peace. It's okay. Why? Because God's okay. Don't think for a second that God is, is wringing his hands, worried. I don't know, the world's going to fall apart. This is going to happen in governments and, and what. No, no, no. It, it's, it's complete Full knowledge, wisdom. God knows what's going on. God is still in control of all of it. Be at peace. The Lord is returning for you. You're a part of that story. There is great joy and anticipation in that. Your readiness for the second coming should be inspirational to you. That what is next for us is unspeakable. Look forward to it. The second thing would, would be this. Keep living your life. And I should put keep living your life to the full. I can't tell you how many times in the past three to five years, maybe around pandemic it really escalated. Things like, Kevin, I'm so afraid to get married. Kevin, I'm so afraid to have kids. Kevin, I'm so afraid to travel. 
Kevin, I'm so afraid to chase my career goals now. Like, I think what I should do is just, I mean, I, I should just be still. You know, I'd just be paralyzed, just, just not, not do anything for a long. Listen, that is not, again, how the Lord called us to live life. When the world is looking at us, I want to be a believer that is full of peace and confidence in Jesus. I don't want to look like I'm losing my mind because of chaos around me. I want to be able to tell people, it's okay. God is good. If he's inside of you, guess what? You're good. Okay? And that's enough. Peace. And so knowing you are living in the end times is no time to abandon all and hide in a cave. If you've got dreams, chase them. If you want to get married, chase them. Okay? Don't go live in a cave. Hear me, the biggest differences that you're going to see in your daily life in the end times is this. You're going to see, see waves of intolerable culture. You're going to get so sick of culture of what people want to push on you, what people want you to think, what people want you to embrace, what people want you to walk away from, what people want you to walk into. It's why it's more important than any other time of the end times is to have a standard for living. If there is no standard, then it means that your thoughts and the thoughts of those around you become the standard, and that is scary and oftentimes ridiculous. There's got to be a standard. So you're going to see waves of intolerable culture. You're going to see changes in governmental agenda. You're going to, see, you're, you're going to feel and sense, maybe the government is not for me. Maybe they don't have my best interest in mind. This has to happen. Government has to fail because the Antichrist is going to step in with the answers globally. A global genius who will step in and solve problems that no one else can. Who can connect countries like no one else can. Who can be so diplomatic and smooth like no one else I mean, we're talking one world currency here. Just, and, you know, go anywhere. Do anything you want. We're one people. We're one place. We're one group of decision makers. We don't know what all that is going to look like, but we see hints of it even now. So you're going to see governmental agendas change and connect and fail. And then you're going to see this, and we talked about this last week. It's the saddest one to me personally is that you're going to see people of faith become people of deep doubt. People who were unmovable, unshakable, who were inspired by the story of Jesus and the change of Christ in their life are suddenly going to shift and become people of deep doubt. I don't know anymore. I don't, I don't know that I believe that anymore. I don't know that the church is for me anymore. I think Jesus might just have been a great guy. I think the Bible just might, might be some literature. And, and suddenly people who you, their story was so vibrant and far-reaching are now filled with great, great doubt. The Bible tells us that's going to happen. And it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable to sit in this setting and hear a teaching like this 
It's, it's uncomfortable to, to know that, you know, you might have close friends and family and, and that, that homes might just be divided because now you got one person who's a significant believer and the other person who now is filled with so much deep doubt, they struggle to coexist. But it could happen. So let me apply this. If you're a history buff, you may know the story of Cortez and the burning of his ships and 1519, Cortez arrived in the New World, had 600 men with him, and upon arrival, he did one of the greatest leadership feats recorded in history. He burned his ships, and he looked in the faces of 600 men to say, I did this so that we cannot go home. I did this so that it sends a firm message, we're not going anywhere. We are here. We're on mission. We're on point. And that's what we talked about all last month, was being a church on mission, on point, all in, no plan B, burn the ships. And you might be here today, and maybe you need to burn some ships. Maybe you got an area in your life that you continue to hold on to and coddle and, and caress, and you don't want to part with it. And the Holy Spirit is saying, if you're going to be ready, burn the ship. Leave that part behind. Some of you may have some unhealthy theology that you have let creep into your life and like a cancer, it is eaten away at, at your faith system. you got to burn the ship. Some of you may have developed some lackadaisical views between right and wrong. What was very black and white to you five years ago is gray, and you're okay with it. You need to burn a ship. Take a stand. Get on, on, on the side of something. You may be living your life in a way that is openly against God's word, but you're okay with it, again, because everybody around you is okay with it. Listen, keep living your life in the end times. Be present, be here, but be wise. Do not sabotage yourself by allowing unhealthy thoughts and unhealthy values gain access to your soul. This is the time to go to the Holy Spirit and go, if there's anything in me that you do not agree with, reveal it to me, and I commit to you, I'll get rid of it. Now, that's not fun, and that's not that doesn't feel like, like something that you just you know, can't wait to sign up for. But it is healthy in following Jesus Christ. What is in me? 1 John 2, 15 says this. He says, do not love the world. And I want to make sure that you understand, he's not talking about a planetary system here. This, this actually means worldliness. Like the essence of the world and what's happening in it. So he says, do not love worldliness, the essence of the world, or anything in the world. If, anything, if anyone loves the worldliness, then the love of the Father is not in him. What he's saying is this, some of you need to break up with the world. There is still something to be said of holiness and righteousness and going after God and saying, I don't do that because I'm following Jesus. I don't live my life a certain way because I'm following Jesus. Do you know how I try to live my life? 
I try to live my life in, in this way. And sometimes it, it works out great and sometimes it doesn't. But I try to live my life on this premise, is that I try to do everything that I would not want to get up on a Sunday morning and explain to you from this stage. So I don't want to be found in some places. Why? Because I don't want to stand here on a Sunday morning and go, let me explain to you guys why I was at so-and-so. I want to be faithful in my home and to my wife. Why? Because I never want to stand on a stage and tell you, hey, listen, this is a circumstance. I'm embarrassed to talk about it, but listen, this is what happened. No, I don't want to do that. I want to do it to my family. I want to do that to, to the, the church. I'm, I'm, there are things I cannot do. There are things I cannot say. Places I cannot go. Ways I cannot live. Why? Because I'm wanting to follow Jesus. And I don't want to sound like, like I'm, I'm overly righteous here. Okay? My wife will be the first to tell you that I am not perfect. Don't say anything right now. But there, there, there is effort. There's ongoing effort to go, hey, I'm, I'm trying. I want this. And I can promise you as your pastor, when, I, when there are things that happen with me, I will quickly go to God and go, hey, I don't like how I handled that. Hey, I don't like my tone that was behind that. Hey, I don't like the attitude that was behind that. And I want to make that right. Why? Because I want to follow Jesus. So we have to burn our ships. Third, and I'm going to end with this one. Be sober-minded. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be sober-minded. What does it mean to be sober-minded? Does that just mean that we're, we're anti-Bud Light commercials? No. Sober-mindedness is not referring to drunkenness. Sober-mindedness is not where you take yourself too seriously. Okay, Nobody wants to be around someone who is always in deep water. Right? you got to come up for air sometimes. Sober-mindedness is not about being an unapproachable Christian. You're so holy. You're so better, so much better. I can't even have coffee. I can't even look at you. You should wear a mask and hide the glory of the Lord on your face. I can't even do it. No. To be sober-minded, according to Peter, means this. It's to live our lives present and in the full, but have eternity in view. Like, I know it's out there. I'm looking forward to it. I anticipate. Right now, I got both feet on the ground. I'm going to be here, and you can get married and have children and travel and go for your dreams and do all those things. Let your cup run over. But eternity's in view, and it's good, and it's exciting, and it's hope filled. And I don't want to sound nostalgic, but I'm getting to that time in my life where I've got people on that side of things. And so it's like, man, I want to, I want to see them. 
I want to talk to them. I want to reconnect with them. So here's what, 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 what that means. It means that you begin in your spiritual maturity, you eavesdrop on eternity. When you're sober-minded, you have your ear pressed up against eternity and you try to listen to what's going on there. I was just telling Robbie last week, I have a good friend who's a psychologist in Asheville, and he wrote an article for Psychology Today recently called When the Veil Gets Thin. And it was about just how close we are. Like at times you sense a specialness about a about spiritual things that you can't feel with your senses, smell, touch, and taste and see. But you know it's there because the veil is thin. Like something happens. It feels very real to you. See, you, you can live with eternity in mind and not have to be afraid. You can enjoy what the Lord has blessed you with now and be fully at peace about the next step, either by death or in the return of Christ. I was thinking this week, because it, it always uh, comes up in my mind when things start to get cold, but it's my, we lost my sister uh, five years ago. And so she battled cancer for 12 years, and she spent a lot of time eavesdropping into eternity. Because she thought for 12 years, this might be my last year. And then the calendar, this might be my last year. This might be my last year. This might be my last year. She spent a lot of time with her ear pressed against eternity. And just days before she passed, I was at their home and her husband told me, he said, in 12 years, I have never personally seen as her husband, I never saw her faith in God wane. Like she never complained about God. She never doubted, doubted that he could heal her. Um, she never stopped, stopped praising him. She never lost her zeal for the church. She's, just, she's always just loved God, been in love with God, trusted God. This was her testimony to her family that in this terrible state of not knowing what day would be the last day, she never lost her faith in God. And I think it's because she had been listening to eternity. The veil is thin. And we think about end times, we need to say this, and it's getting thinner. Like eternity is getting closer and sweeter and more real. And again, the signs of scripture are telling us that there's nothing left in this stage of prophecy, except the return of Christ. So I challenge you today, as a group of people who I love and care for deeply, be ready. Be watchful. Burn a ship. Don't be passive. Don't panic. Be at peace. Keep living your life. Be sober-minded. Keep your ear to the veil of eternity. And if you're here today, and you are anxious and fearful, that's a great check that a conversation needs to happen between you and the Lord right now. Don't wait. If you can't be at peace, if something's off, if something in there is anxious, if something in there is hopeful that he doesn't return, at least not right now, 
That's a good check. That you need to have a conversation with the Lord. And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. All right. I want you to bow your heads with me today. And I'm not going to ask you to respond to me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you that if, if that's you, that if things like this make you fearful, anxious, that right now you talk to the Lord, that right now, right now in this place, not, not this afternoon, not tonight, right now you burn a ship in your life. If there's something in your life right now that is ungodly and you know it, why wait on that? Why wait? It can't be more fun than the hope of eternity. Maybe you're here and you've got a deep-seated vice. Unhealthy ways of coping. Unhealthy ways of soothing tension in your house. You know it's not godly. Get rid of it. Be sober-minded. Sober-minded. And if you're a believer today, I challenge you to peace. Rest in the fact that God is big enough and that God's in complete control of every part of the story. Be at peace. God, today I, I come to you and I pray over every heart. There's no doubt in my mind that there are people in here right now burning ships. Give courage right now to let, let things go, to turn away, to start a new journey, to get off an unhealthy path and come back to a, a healthy one. God, if there's sin in the building, we pray that you would forgive us we repent of it. We turn away from it. We stop engaging it. And we ask for the strength of the Spirit that those things that are in us that have deep roots, God, that you would just reach way down, just pull that out by the root today. God, if there's someone in the room who's just lost, save them today. We are in the age of grace, in the age of mercy. Give the gift of salvation today, Father, to those that are lost. God, we eagerly await your return. And just like John that we read last week, we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly, come quickly. I want you to stand with me all across the building. And if you're new to our church, this is just a, a time of just responding. 
we're going to enter back into worship. And if there was anything in the message that was for you, this is the time for you to just reach out and get it into your life a little bit deeper. In the corners in the back are some prayer cards on some tables. You can write down, hey, please pray with me about this. And we will we'll, we'll read that. It goes to our prayer team. It goes to our staff. Every week we pray over those things. There's also communion back there. So if you like taking communion weekly at gatherings, please feel free to have freedom to go and get that. Bring it back. Serve it to your family. Otherwise, we're just going to worship. And I, I challenge you today, let's worship the Lord as believers. Let's worship the Lord from a place of a, of a soon coming king. Let's worship the Lord from a place that even in end times and chaotic times, we can be full of peace. So let's go to him and worship today.